this is Courtney. I am in charge today for my fabulous Fallon because we are talking about her third book, baby, right on cue. I am wearing flannel for Grayson fucking West um, to celebrate the occasion. Fallon! Okay, wait. Before you go, um, I'm very excited to read your bio. (laughs) Fallon Ballard, just in case you don't know her on this podcast, (laughs) loves to write about love. She also has an undying affection for exclamation points and isn't ashamed to admit it. When she's not writing fictional love stories, she's helping real-life couples celebrate working as a wedding planner in Southern California. She has a deep appreciation for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is a Disneyland devotee, and is a reality TV aficionado. I love you, (laughs) Fallon! Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. <laughs> Glad that we could, you know, schedule it in. How Honestly, are you, my friend? I've been looking forward to this so much, not because I want to talk about my book, because I don't, but because well, I do. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it'll be so nice. Like, do I have a lick of makeup on? No. Am I wearing a bra? No. Am I sitting in my office in my pajamas? Yes. Because I'm just like, it's chill time. It's shooting the shit time. (laughs) I love it. Oh, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm good. Okay. But first I want to hear about you because we are a week out, one week out. We are two weeks out. Three weeks out. Oh, okay. I know it does. It feels. Didn't like, need to scare you. <laughs> it feels like so far away, and yet I know that it's going to be here in like two seconds. <laughs> hmm. I know, right? You are currently on a bit of a break. A very short one. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How have you been filling your time? Um, this was like literally my Friday last week. I sent in the latest version of the holiday book, um, to my editor that morning. And then like later that afternoon, she was like, here's your edit letter for my 2025 rom-com. I was like, okay, cool. Fallen land. <laughs> no, but it's good. So um, I'm having a call with my editor tomorrow about the 2025 books. So I have like two days with like nothing to do. And it's been delightful, like literally, especially because it's like pouring rain mm-hmm. here. So yesterday I just like laid in bed and read mm-hmm. all day long. And it was oh amazing. Oh my God. That's amazing. It was so good. So I needed that. <laughs> that's like all of our dream come true. Yeah. And then today, like, this is like the only thing I'm doing. So. Yay. Good. (sighs) Yeah. Self-care. Yes. It'll feel good to just like relax for a little bit. Yeah. You got to restore. You've been going nonstop. Yeah. But it's been Mm -hmm. good. Even like, even though we all know how much I hate editing, um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't find the process of editing the holiday book as awful as I normally find it and I hope that that doesn't mean that I didn't actually accomplish anything like I'm very scared that I'm going to hear from my editor and she's going to be like so uh we still have tons of problems (laughs) (laughs) but it's fine it's 
going to be fine. Your brain's like, that should have been harder. What's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) It like, seriously, I do kind of feel that way. And I'm like, oh no, that's not a bad sign. No, it'll be good. I think you were just like totally zoned in, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe what helped a little bit is that there wasn't like a lot of time in between drafting the holiday book and then going into edits for the holiday book like there was only like a few weeks in between there um and I think that that helped me like I was still like in it and present um which I'm a little worried about my 2025 book because it's been a really long time (laughs) since I've looked at it so by the time I like really get into the edits I'm like like I reread it this weekend because I was like I don't remember what this book is about yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so that helped a little bit but now I'm like okay I really gotta I gotta like dial in on that one you will yeah um remind me has the cover for the holiday book been revealed yet yes so I did it officially on Instagram yesterday oh okay I Um, haven't been on so I need to go log on and it's so cute and I love it. And we expanded the title. So now it's called All I Want Is You. Um, and it's a freaking adorable cover. And um, everybody is amazing. Like so many pre-orders yesterday that I was Yay. like, what is happening right now? You guys are awesome. <laughs> so, Yay. so thank you, everyone. You're all fabulous. <laughs> oh, my God. Yay. Um, What about... Has the title for your 2025 been revealed yet? Not yet. It's tentative right now. So I'll tell you later. Okay, cool. (laughs) I can't say it yet. So they're just making you wait a little bit longer. Yeah, but I did get like, um, God, Putnam is like so on top of things in terms of like cover and art stuff because Mm -hmm. I already had the whole conversation about like, you know, what do you want on the cover and all of that. So it probably won't be too long, but we'll see. That's exciting. I know. I'm like, give me a pink cover. Oh, yeah. All I want. (laughs) Yeah, because you've got like, okay, wait, wait, let me think. Mint, lilac. We've got like a, like a sherbet orange. Ooh, that's a good one. We've got a blue. Yeah. Pink is next. We we should get the whole rainbow at this point. I feel like we're, we're getting close at this point. So, oh my god, you could have a rainbow shelf of just your books. That would be fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like pink and yellow are like really the only two I have left. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'll skip the yellow. <laughs> I know I mean, yellow's I'll not your the yellow favorite. eventually, but I want pink. <laughs> <laughs> pink first. Pink first. Um uh, tell us about your Sherbert Orange baby. Are you ready for this? Should we go into the pitch now? Yeah, I was saying I need to practice because I'm not very good at it yet. Um, so this will be long and rambly. But no, we'll actually, this point. is perfect because we could like talk about how we come up with pitches, right? How we oh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm really bad at it. Like I have a really hard time like condensing it into one sentence. I need to get Jenny okay. to do it for me. Um, but so right on cue in a nutshell is, um, 
I've been calling it Enemies with Benefits. Um, So it is about Emmy, who is a screenwriter. Her parents are like Hollywood royalty. Um, She had one really bad acting experience when she was a teenager and decided that she never wanted to do it again. Mm -hmm. So she has made a name for herself writing rom-coms. And she really struggles with that after her dad passes away, which happens off page before the book starts. Um, so she's had like a lull where she hasn't really been able to write anything fun and light and cute and happy. Um, but she is working on her first rom-com after losing her dad and her best friend is directing the movie and her best friend convinces her to play the lead role, the female (laughs) lead And Emmy's like nervous about this, but excited until she shows up on set the first day and realizes that the actor that they had cast to play the leading man has had to drop out because of an injury. And so now the person playing her love interest is the guy that ruined her first movie experience. Um, And she absolutely hates him and he's perfect. And I love him so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry emmy sorry emmy um yeah so he's sort of like your stereotypical like action star and she's like what are you even doing here like get out of my movie and he's like no i love you already and i will not get out of your movie <laughs> so yeah so they start filming the movie and it goes really badly at first <laughs> and then they film their sex scene and it's like oh hmm Maybe actually there's something here. And then they do it once to get it out of their systems. And uh, we know how that works. (laughs) Then they go back to being just friends. The end. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, you know what? I really did get it out of my system. Amazing. Wow. (laughs) I am cured. (laughs) Wouldn't that be like the most anticlimactic thing ever? A novella in one part. Oh my God. <laughs> Yay, Fallon! It's so good. Okay, so before we started recording, um, I let you know that I am in the sex scene scene. And they are currently like hand on hips. It's a moment. Mm, and I'm dead. And readers are going to fucking devour this book. Um, it's so good. I mean, how could you not love like the flannel? And just, like, the whole vibes, the chemistry is off the charts, as it always is in the Fallon Ballard book. Um, we have fun text messages, which is, and, like, little snippets of media, which are amazing. Uh, okay, you've seen the, I, I don't, I'm not saying this is wholly accurate, but in my mind, it's kind of what I'm picturing. You know the um, trailer for the Fallout guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the mm-hmm. Fall guy? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> Like yes. Ryan Gosling being like <laughs> <laughs> yes. the action hero fingers, finger guns. <laughs> yes. I, when I first saw the trailer for that movie, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just amazing. It's everything. The cover is everything. Mm. Tell me about, I know we've talked about it off screen, but yeah. do you want to share like your inspiration? Anything, anything, you go, you have the floor. Yeah. I mean, this one is kind of like a fun story because I actually started writing this book 
before I wrote just my type. Um, so I started writing it. Basically, I like finished writing Lease on Love like late summer in 2020. And by the time I like edited it and revised it and did all that stuff, it was like end of the year 2020. And so my agent, Kim, was like, we're not going to take this on sub until, you know, the new year. Like, it doesn't make sense to go out right now. And so like in that sort of downtime when publishing sort of just shuts down over the holidays, I was like, well, I need to be drafting something because that's just how my brain works. And I, of course, in winter of 2020 was watching like 8 million Hallmark holiday movies, (laughs) even more than like a normal year, because obviously it was 2020 and that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So the original concept was that they were, you know, filming this Hallmark sort of-esque holiday movie. Um, So like the premise was the same, that they hated each other, that they had this bad relationship um, and this bad history. And the, but the movie was more like holiday focused and I was just writing it for fun, writing it for fun. And then, you know, Lisa and love sold really quickly. And all of a sudden I was like swept up in edits for that. And so I sort of just like put it away and was like, maybe I'll come back to this at some point in time, but maybe not. We'll see. Um, and I sort of would like dip into it here and there when I was like on breaks from editing lease and just my type And we all know that just my type was (laughs) the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So this one was kind of like a fun little like reprieve when I reprieve, reprieve, whatever. Sounds right. Um, (laughs) When I was like on breaks from writing just my type and I needed like something just like fun and silly to do. And I had mentioned to my agent that I was working on it and she was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, you know, like check in with Putnam um, because, you know, like holiday books can be tricky. Like, you know, they might not want to do this and your schedule is in February. So this could be like an issue. So she like went to my editor pretty early on and was like, this is what Fallon is working on next. And my editor at the time was like, yeah, we don't want a holiday book from her. And publishing jazz hands. <laughs> and it, not in a bad way, obviously, just more of like, we're on this really good schedule. We publish yeah. our books in February. Like, we don't want to mess that up. Like, we don't want to kind of like, you know, this is obviously working for her. We don't want to, you know, totally throw a wrench in the system. Yeah. Um, And even still, I like finished the book because I just was having so much fun writing mm-hmm. it. And I loved these characters so much. And I loved these stories so much. Um. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I am trash for celebrity romance. Mm -hmm. So like writing one for me was so fun. And so I just was like, you know what? I'm going to finish it anyway. I'll send it to my agent and we'll see what happens. So I sent it to her when it was like time to um, be looking at like a new book deal. So after just my type had been accepted and we were looking to make a new deal, I sent it to my agent and I was like, I know they don't want this, but you can just read it anyway and tell me what you think. And she like emailed me back and she was like, uh, we're going to send this to them anyway. And I was like, okay. And we sent it to my editor and she was like, okay, so I love this book, but it can't be a holiday book. What can we do about it? (laughs) So 
that was sort of like the first step in the editing process was taking it from a holiday book and making it not a holiday book. Um, obviously, there's still like lots of holiday vibes in it mm-hmm. because it is, you know, like the movie that they're filming takes place in like an inn and it's snowing and they go ice skating and there's a snowball fight. And like, so there's these sort of like fun winter moments. Uh, but we just sort of like took the holiday aspect out of it. Um and then from there, it was just, like, fun editing, <laughs> if that's such a thing, um, because I just love these characters so much, Aww. and I love the sort of journey that we went on, and I, when it came time to, like, make it not holiday, that's when I really, like, sort of focused in on Emmy's backstory and, like, We made her a Nepo baby at that point because, you know, that just made sense. Mm. We kind of elevated the movies that she was working on. So this is like the movie that they're making now is not a Hallmark movie. It's more of like a rom-com that would be released in the theaters um, because we wanted her to have a little bit more of like an elevated status as a screenwriter. Um, And so, yeah, it was just really fun to kind of see it developed. And this book has been sort of like my little baby and I dedicated it to myself because (laughs) it just has been for me like over the past like three or four years now it's been the book that I turned to when I wanted to find my joy in writing Hmm. I as soon as I read your dedication and I was going to say this too I like was like oh I got like teary because Mm -hmm. So your dedication is this one's for me. And anytime I see an author dedicate a book to themselves, I'm like, yes, you go, baby. (laughs) Like, you, you know, it's a book that brought that author so much joy and like, they needed it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, so happy for you that you now get to like, fully realize this book coming out and on shelves. And like, how does that feel? It feels it's like a little bit of a combination. Like it, mm-hmm. it feels amazing and I'm so excited. Um, there's also, I feel like the anxiety, the anxiety is less. It's a lot less than it was even for just my type. Um, but it's definitely still there. But I feel like because I feel like because I love this book so much, I almost don't care what other people think about it. Um, I say that now <laughs> <laughs> and it's very easy to say that and sort of feel that in the in this moment when the but I mean honestly people have been reading it for several months now and I kind of am like like I've been really good about not checking my reviews with this book because I really just I look back on it and remember all the reasons why I love it mm-hmm. and I sort of like don't need anybody else's opinion on it yeah yeah totally (laughs) just scary to say honestly (laughs) well you're satisfied you're like fully satisfied with what you created yeah I mean it it it, it's not going to be anything else it wasn't going to be anything else besides what it is like you're happy with it yeah and that's how I like would hope authors would feel about their books you know yeah And, like, there were definitely times, especially with just my type, where I was not happy with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really am happy with the final product and how it turned out, like, as a whole. But I think 
even coming up on like pub date for just my type, I still was like, I don't know if this book sucks or not. In this book, I realize, and with Right on Q, I realize that it's not going to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of am okay with that at this point. And I'm like, if it's not for you, then that's cool. Like, that's fine. It's for me. Yeah. And I, I don't think any one book can be for everyone. Yeah. You know, it just can't. Yeah. And that's not a, like, flaw of the book. It's just there are a lot of people in the world. <laughs> yeah. In, in different places with different tastes of genres and stuff. So your book is going to be exactly perfect for the for your readers, you know? Yeah. And, of course, now the ultimate irony is, you know, six months after Right on Cue comes out, I have a holiday book <laughs> coming. I know. <laughs> I was thinking that as you talked. But it's actually kind of perfect because readers who pick up your holiday book, if they want like another taste, can also go to Right on Cue because yeah. – um, it'll still have those vibes and it'll lead them into like the winter as opposed to so you have holiday and you're like, Oh, here's a other wintry book for January, February, March. (laughs) Yes. Love it. Or if you read right on cue and you're like, I really liked this. I wish it had been a full fledged holiday book. Then Mm -hmm. (laughs) go pre-order. All I want is you. It's a twofer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Also, Do you think that your experience with writing, like you had two very different experiences writing just my type versus write on cue. Do you think that those experiences like influenced how you feel now or how you felt like on pub date, how you will feel on pub date? You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think so. Definitely. I mean, um, I know we've talked a lot about second book syndrome on here Um, and I I do just think there is something about that where you're just so much more in your head than I was even with Lise and definitely more than I'm feeling now with Right on Cue. Um, I mean, obviously, we're still a couple weeks from release day, but I feel like we're close enough that in the past I would normally be like full-fledged meltdown mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm hoping that that is just like a sign of the more that you do this and the more that you sort of handle these emotions, the easier it gets to sort of mitigate them. And obviously not that the emotions themselves are easy to deal with and not that I haven't had anxiety about this book because of course I have, but I feel like it's just been a little bit easier to sort of push through with, Mm -hmm. with this one. The experience is like many feelings at once. Like Mm -hmm. as my therapist says, many things can be true at once. Yeah. (laughs) And But what's cool now is that as we go forward doing this more and more, our brains are like, oh, my God, this feels like a threat, but we didn't die last time. Right. (laughs) You know, like we're still – it was okay. We got through it. So your brain – it's like so natural to have those feelings, but it's almost like our brains can be reassured faster. Yeah. That we're not in mortal peril. (laughs) And so much of anxiety for me in particular, and probably for other people as well, is just like the fear of the unknown yeah. and not knowing what's going to happen. And um, I feel like at this point in time, I have a pretty good handle on what's going to happen, you know, come release day and post-release day. And I have 
made my way through that before. So I know that I can do it again. Exactly. And you can and you will. It's going to be amazing. Thank you, um, yeah. And okay, so one thing I wanted to mention too is I, okay, please correct me if I'm wrong. If because I'm sorry if I read it incorrectly, but Emmy is over 30, right? Yes. Okay. I love that because we yeah. don't get to see many leading characters who are over 30 in rom-coms. And yeah. she's also the star of a rom-com movie over 30, which is also kind of like a, whoa, <laughs> like going <laughs> against society. Um, but that's very cool. And did you like make that a conscious decision or was it just something that you felt like that you just went with or how? Um, I think it was a conscious decision in that I am lazy and <laughs> I was like, I'm still in touch with people who are like in their early thirties. Like I have friends who are in my early, thir- in their early thirties. So I don't feel like I'm as out of touch with them as I do when I, when I think about writing a heroine who's like 25, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? what do the kids these days talk about? Like, Hey, young kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So really, truly, I mean, honestly, like I like writing characters that are quote unquote older anyway, because I just feel like for me, um, it allows them to know themselves a little bit better than most people do when they're in their like mid twenties. Mm-hmm. But also a huge part of it is that, I don't want to have to figure out the slang and mm. <laughs> like what the kids are watching, what the kids are reading. Like, I don't I, like, I feel so out of touch from that generation that I'm like, I don't know that I can do them justice. <laughs> oh no, totally fair. Okay. When I was writing Morgan and Ben, cause they're both like 25, I think if I remember my own work correctly. Um, <clears throat> And I had to go back and like, oh, wait, oh, my God, they wouldn't have watched that show as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) So I had to go back and change some things to, like, make it more current. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, okay. So going back to what you said about how, like, they can kind of draw from more life experience. Like, I also think that segues really well into the writing topic we wanted to discuss, which is the miscommunication trope. Yes. Um. I guess just like, do you just want to dive in? And like, are there things at the forefront of your mind that you wanted to discuss about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, okay, here's the thing. I don't love the miscommunication trope. Like, I don't ever set out to write that into my books. Mm -hmm. But I think that it ends up playing a role because I, well, we all know I hate plot. (laughs) and so I don't tend to have like big extenuating circumstances that are keeping my characters apart or that are going to break them up cause the third act breakup um and and just for me personally with what I write and how I write it doesn't feel realistic for my characters to put them in those sorts of situations but I also haven't yet cracked the code on how to write a satisfying book that doesn't have a third act breakup. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think a lot of times the miscommunication trope plays into these situations that for me feel very realistic because 
especially as a wedding planner and somebody who really has a close-up view at the way that so many different couples communicate, (laughs) not communicating well is a huge issue that even people that are already getting married, even people that are already married, like I, my husband and I have a really solid relationship. We've been married for 12 years. There are still moments when he looks at me and he's like, can you just ask me for what you need rather than like, (laughs) you know, getting upset or not talking about it or whatever, you know, my sort of like shut down internal mechanism seems to be. And um, I think that sometimes maybe people don't realize how much we do that in our own lives. Yeah. Um, And I, I do get why some readers find it frustrating, but at the same time, I feel like, when you're writing romance that is really grounded in reality, it actually makes sense for that to be the reason that your characters have a little hiccup, even if it's not like a full on like third act breakup, even if it's like a pause, you know, or like a, I need some time to think, you know, like those are things that happen in real life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, a lot of times when they do happen in real life, they are sort of connected to these deeper issues that maybe like, you know, with Emmy in particular, she does have a miscommunication moment at the end of this book. And it's because she's still dealing with grief and she's still dealing with things in her life that are impacting how she communicates in her relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's normal. And I don't think there's like a fix for that. Like you don't like go to therapy and now all of a sudden you're like a perfect communicator. Like that's not how the world works. And even when you are in a good relationship and even when you have been with the person for a long time, you still usually have to work on your communication. Like it's a thing that you have to put constant effort into and be aware of. Yeah. I, um, so I, inadvertently used the miscommunication trope very heavily in my second book, which is funny because I didn't set out to do that. Yeah. But then when I was done, I got some trade reviews that were like, oh, this leans very heavily on this trope. I'm like, oh yeah, it actually does. (laughs) Um, But um, I was talking to a friend about it and she was saying just about this trope in general. And she was saying, I think it's hard for a lot of people to read because it hits very close to home. Like Mm. it's a very realistic, um, you know, thing that we struggle with in life in many different aspects of life. Um, But a lot of us, no matter what age are still learning how to like communicate well and communicate how we actually feel. And I think a lot of time miscommunication comes from a place of worry or fear of like, if I actually say what I want or I actually say how I feel, what's the impact then going to be? And a lot of that can like lead back to childhood trauma or, you know, different things. Mm-hmm. And, um, or also we don't know what we want. Like we, we're not sure. Like yeah, maybe someone's telling us what we want or what we should do. Um, And then we have to actually take the time to self-reflect and be like, okay, what do I actually need right now? And that's hard. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, in writing Ben's book too, like he was this character coming up with a lot of like childhood trauma and like not communicating what he needed from his parents because he never like received that. Mm -hmm. So how would he then know how to communicate what he needed if he's never been like shown that example? So his whole arc was leading him to that point where he was able to then realize what he needed and then ask for it and receive it. So it was like, looking back, I was like, wow, yeah, actually, I use that trope a lot because that was his entire yeah. journey. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think that trope plays very well into stories. And it's almost like, I almost feel weird calling it a trope, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like such a deep psychological mm-hmm. um, element to a story that yeah. can hit the reader in like very soft spots. <laughs> yeah. Little sensitive spots there. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so interesting that you say that about in the case of Heartbreak, because I, as I was reading that book, was not like, oh, here's the miscommunication trope. Like, to me as a reader, it just felt like, oh, this is like a normal problem mm. that normal couples would have. <laughs> like, I wasn't like, oh, here we go with the miscommunication trope. <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, this makes sense that this would be an issue based on where these people are and what they have been through in their lives. Like, that just makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And obviously, like, with any trope, if it's not your thing, then it's not your thing. Like, that's For totally sure. fine. Um, I think what bothers me about it is like, I don't like when people like write off, oh, well, here's this in this book. So it must be bad. And it's like, no, maybe it's not for you. And that's fine. But just because it has this trope that you don't prefer doesn't mean that the book is bad. Yeah. And I've said it before, and I'll probably just keep repeating it forever. I was on a panel with Kate Claiborne, not that part, but I will keep repeating that forever (laughs) because I love Kate Claiborne Um, and I'm a big giddy fan girl. But she said when asked, like, what is your least favorite trope? She was like, well, I have tropes that I prefer and I'm not like quoting verbatim, but she said, I won't say I won't read a trope because if an author that I love writes a trope, I'm going to read it because the way that they're going to tell it is going to be different. And it's going to be something that I'm invested in um, and can get behind. So I think like to write off a book just based on a trope Mm -hmm. is kind of like a disservice to somebody as a reader. Like, obviously, if you're not in the headspace for that, or you're not like, or if you do read it and you're like, no, this isn't for me. Okay. To- like totally valid, but like exactly to be like, oh, I heard this has this trope. Um, maybe like give it a chance because, <laughs> because it's, if it's an author that you like, or you think you might like, it's worth it to try. Yeah, for sure. You might lose out on something that you really actually enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep coming back to you what you said about people don't like it because it's too close to home. And that I think like mm. really hits with the miscommunication in particular. Um, yeah. Because I get that. Like people want to read 
if you're reading for like escapism, if you're reading to like get your mind off of things, you want like a fake dating, which doesn't happen in real life. You know, like just which is a different form of miscommunication yeah that's true Maybe <laughs> it's, it's everywhere all miscommunication it's what i'm sorry all conflicts are miscommunication i mean so true a lot of them probably boil down to that um it's funny i saw this is a tangent but i saw like on threads the other day um somebody was talking about like why people hate insta love Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's so strange to me because I know way more people who their sort of like real life relationship was insta love. I don't know anybody who met because they were fake dating. <laughs> and like now they're a couple. Um, I'm like, insta love is actually like, I think a lot more common than you think. Uh huh. Yeah. We were talking to like Jared and Sophia about that. I yeah. remember. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so maybe it's maybe it's those people that don't necessarily want to see any part of their sort of like real life. Yeah, in their stories, which, which is, is fine. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx, totally that's fine. totally fair. I mean, I love to read books about people stabbing each other and then kissing each other, and you know, <laughs> that's not a thing I practice in my real life. <laughs> This would be a very different podcast. (laughs) True crime meets romance. (laughs) That would be dark. We don't want that. (laughs) Except if it's Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson. Everybody go read that. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. How far have you gotten into Vanderpump? How's it going? Just checking in. How are we doing over there? It's going to be an interesting season. And so at the time of recording, all (laughs) we've seen is the premiere. So there will have been a few more episodes out by then. Um, So obviously check back because we'll be talking about (laughs) it frequently. But um, it's, it's really hard because last season was like, one of the best seasons of reality TV that we have just like ever seen. And this season isn't going to be that. And I think we all just need to like accept that from the beginning that you're not going to get that two seasons in a row. And I think what is hard is that when they started filming this season that we're watching right now, it was only like three months after this whole affair scandal happened Mm -hmm. and so like everybody on the show is still like very much in it like they're still really experiencing the aftermath of it whereas we have been separated from it for so long now that like as the audience it's kind of like I don't know that I want to go back and like rehash all of this stuff a million times but we're going to because for the people that we're watching it's still part of their daily lives and part of their experience. Um, And so I think that it's going to be maybe a not as fun season to watch Mm -hmm. just because we're seeing sort of like the calm down. Like last season was like the climax and this season we're in like the downward slope after that. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that there won't be like interesting moments because I think that 
there will be watching these people all sort of react to this, but um, it's just not going to be as explosive as last season was. And I think that we all have like our expectations set a little too high, maybe. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Well, I wish you the best in your journey. (laughs) Keep me posted. (laughs) I will. Um, I am hoping that we get a little bit of like a Katie Renaissance this year. Uh, She's got like a really cute new short haircut. (laughs) You know, she at the very least is going to make out with a girl because we saw that in the trailer. So I'm hoping that we just get more of her doing her thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Did anyone get bangs? <laughs> I feel Did like anyone got bangs. Yet. It's a big moment. Maybe somebody got bangs. Did I tell you this story? <laughs> I don't think I did. This is way off topic, but it's hilarious. So my husband, like a couple weeks ago, he comes home and he was like, so I learned something interesting in the band room today. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that could be so many things. Who knows? And he was like, I learned that if a woman gets bangs, it means she's going through something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, usually. And he was like, and then as we're having this discussion in the band room and we're talking about, and it's all guys basically <laughs> like we're talking about how a woman gets bangs when she's going through something. He's like, I realized that right before we got engaged, <laughs> you got bangs. <laughs> and he's like, and I told everyone that and they told me, Oh man, she was about to break up with you. <laughs> I wasn't about to break up with you, but I was like really on the verge of losing my mind at that point in time because I just needed you to propose already. Um, and you weren't. And so then I got bangs. Well, and like show of hands, how many of us got bangs in 2020? Oh God. Cut our own bangs. That was me. Woo, that was oh, a mo- that was a time. That's a toughie. My spouse put something on Instagram, his Instagram. Okay. And why is, why do they always take the worst fucking pictures and put them online for everyone to see? Like, Michael, I needed to go through and pick a filter. And first of all, not that picture. He put up a picture of me with my new bangs being like my beautiful wife inside and out i'm like this is not a beautiful this is not reflection this is does not reflect your beautiful wife <laughs> this is me in the middle of a breakdown with the shittiest haircut i've ever had <laughs> oh my god Gordon. and the pictures i put up of him are like model quality yes all i ask is for the same you know, consideration. And um, it's just funny because I know it comes from a place of like, and I'm not, but like every partner should think that their partner looks amazing all the time. And like, that's where he's coming from. He's like, what? You look great. I'm like, no, I fucking don't. Don't put that photo up of me. So I really have considered that like while he's sleeping, going into his account and just deleting the photos he's put up of me. Do it. 
feel like that's your right. But then I forget. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is like a common complaint among couples. Like one of them is going to like not care about the quality of photo. And one of them is going to be like, it wasn't gingham or like whatever filter, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I've seen like a ton of those posts where it's like, (laughs) photos I take of my husband with our child and they're all just like beautiful adorable perfect pictures photos my husband takes of me and there's just like slobber and drool and like barf on the shirt it's It's too true oh my god yeah yeah (sighs) so another thing that there's like no segue (laughs) Um, another thing that happened was that I texted you yesterday because I was watching season one of Loki and Loki and Sylvie are queer. <laughs> and like, I should have known. <laughs> I was like, are you, were you surprised? By that? <laughs> I wasn't surprised, but I was like validated. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say it was, it was kind of like, this is like so dumb because it's the lowest bar but it was sort of like an actual big defining moment when he actually like said it out loud Mm -hmm. because of course everybody that watches the mcu and loves the mcu like knows that he is and has been always but for him to actually like come out and say it everybody was like oh okay is it like a canon thing on the side though because they don't really show him having any um like relationships in the movies yeah. do they i think it's canon in the comics oh yeah okay. that makes but sense. it's more like that we don't really see him with any romantic partners at all yeah really because in the most movies he's the bad guy so <laughs> bad guys deserve love <laughs> Loki, little Loki. He's so cute. I really need to go back and watch season one um, because I started watching the first episode of season two, and it basically just picks up like right after the end of season one. And I was like, "Oh, I have no idea what is going on here." I am so confused. I was like, "I need to go back and rewatch," but. I've been focusing on my Star Wars shows. That's right. Yeah. Where are you at now? So I'm about halfway through season three of The Mandalorian, um, which I'm enjoying so far. I mean, honestly, I know we don't call him Baby Yoda anymore, but I still call him Baby Yoda. And he's just the freaking cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. What what do you call him? Well, his name is Grogu. That's still cute. <laughs> it is cute. But just like, I like, like Matt used to make fun of me when we would watch The Mandalorian together because like every time Baby Yoda was on the screen, I was just like, <laughs> but I like still do that. <laughs> I mean, he's just so cute. He is so cute. Like Baby Groot is so cute. Yeah. That's why I think I like the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie the best because he's a baby. Jujuju, baby, you're so cute. I know. I'm struggling to finish the third Guardians because it's so sad. Yeah. Rocket is so sad. Yeah. It's hard to the see. Animal <laughs> the animal stuff. The animal stuff. That's hard. 
Um, and then yeah. the gross planet they visit that's like, <laughs> yeah, looks like human flesh. I'm like, this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I I think I've only watched that one once. Um, I mean, Guardians are never going to be my favorite because I can't stand Chris Pratt. Yeah, uh, totally fair. But but yeah, I remember going into that third one not really knowing what to expect and being like there should have been like a trigger warning because the animal abuse in yeah. that movie is really hard to watch. Like, yeah. So intense. And I was like, this is not fun. No. And I've read so many things online that are like the third guardians is like the best movie of the MCU. And I'm like, mm, Ragnarok is right there. <laughs> False. <laughs> I disagree at this point. I can hardly finish it. But yeah, I have to I mean, because I have to all, complete it. The best movie in the MCU is Infinity War. And like, mm. I will accept no arguments on that. Infinity War is so good. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. You like that one more than Ragnarok? I mean, I think as a movie, yeah, I would prefer to watch Ragnarok. Like, that's what I would. That's like my Ragnarok is like my comfort movie. It's like my go to. Mm. But I think that Infinity War, like as a film, is like pretty perfect i agree with you yeah that one's hard to beat yeah i mean the avengers franchise is just like absolutely incredible yeah (sighs) i got a baby group planter which i know i i sent you but i just had to announce that to everybody (laughs) it's very cute it's so adorable you put a little plant in his head (laughs) (laughs) so much it's so cute he's so cute I hope that our uh, podcast, like, family likes Marvel because it's just going to become a lot of Marvel at this point. I mean, I think if they don't, they've probably dipped out by now. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, God, not this again. <laughs> or we've converted. So welcome. Yeah. I mean, I think, did I share on the podcast how I totally, I saw the guy I saw somebody post on threads who is like, hi, I work for the book division of Marvel. And I literally was like, hey, Jeremy, just to let you know, we need a line of Marvel rom-coms. And so many people replied and were like, oh, my God, yes, give it to me. Yes. A bunch of authors were like, oh, my God, I want to write this one. And I was like, Jeremy, right here, bud. (laughs) let's go jeremy new bestie let's go jeremy come on we're friends now you should invite him on the podcast (gasps) jeremy we should i know go back to the thread (laughs) he follows me now we follow oh my god yeah jeremy um maybe that would be like a fun bonus episode uh yeah Okay, we should yeah. do that. Yeah, we Let's will do- spin that in for the podcast, make it romance somehow. <laughs> I well, mean, it would be an interesting conversation to talk IP <laughs> from somebody who works on like the IP <gasps> side of things. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And now we've talked about it on the podcast, so we're manifesting it and make us look good, Jeremy. <laughs> Come on the podcast. 
I mean, basically last year at my book release party that you hosted with me in San Diego, all we talked about, like we hardly talked about the book at all. We were like, who cares about this book? Let's talk about the MCU. Except I hadn't gotten into the MCU yet. And I was like team DC. Yeah. So, you know, we all have life regrets. (laughs) No, I still love DC. I just have, like, expanded because I still yeah. love, like, Superman, Wonder Woman, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, Harley Ivy forever. Like, that couple is my favorite couple in all of DC Universe. I love it. I love the Gotham um, bombshells. I love all of them. Mm. So, yeah. I have to say, I want another, like, Birds of Prey movie. Yes. Yeah. Die Hard, Harley Quinn forever. Yeah. Um, that one was really fun. And I like sort of didn't know what to expect for that one. I think I just went to see it because a woman directed it and I make a point to see any movie that I can that's been directed by a woman. You're amazing. And I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious and so fun and Mm -hmm. like so kick-ass. I was like, this is amazing. It's amazing. It's a great movie. Yeah. And I mean, Margot Robbie. Hmm. Everybody knows where we stand on Margot Robbie. (laughs) Yeah. We can't go wrong there. Um, I was going to say, maybe since we hinted at our last book release, maybe this is a good time to share. Perfect. We're going to do an event together. I'm so excited. So should I just run through all of them? Do it. Yes. All right, Fallon, where is your book tour taking you for Ride on (laughs) Q? I actually am doing like, a Southern California tour. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Just sort of shook out that way. Um, so on March 2nd, I'm going to be at Meet Cute Bookshop with Susan Lee, who is our absolute favorite human being. I'm so excited to see her. Um, and that one will be super fun. And I think all of these you have to register for. So I guess I'll put links in the show notes. That way you guys can do it nice and easy. Perfect. Um, So that one is March 2nd. And then March 8th, I'm at Ripped Bodice with Kate Spencer, um, who is another one of our faves, who I love so, so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And then March 9th, which is the following day, I am at the Barnes & Noble in Huntington Beach. I don't know who my partner is going to be for that one yet, but that one will be super fun. And then the following weekend, March 16th, Courtney and I are going to be at the brand new Smitten Bookstore in Ventura. It's going to be their first like in-person event. So please come so that (laughs) they didn't waste their space on me. Oh, stop, (laughs) Alan. But it'll basically just be like a live episode of the podcast. (laughs) It'll just be us shooting the shit. Yeah, um, they're going to be like, oh, is this what book events are like? We're going to be like, ah! <laughs> Also, I do plan um, at each of the events to do some rom-com movie trivia. And I have been hard at work making Grace and fucking West friendship bracelets. <laughs> this is amazing. So be ready for your rom-com trivia. <laughs> Yay! Cannot wait! I'm so excited. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be like amazing. all my favorite people. So happy for you. Um, And 
just in case this is the first podcast people are turning tuning into. <laughs> yes. Um, where can we find you online? <laughs> um, I'm very easy to find online. Everything is just my name, Fallon Ballard, one L in Fallon, and then you're good to go. You will find me all the places. Although really I am mostly only on Instagram at this point, but you know. That's fair. Yeah. The huge. Yay. Well, happy right on cue month and week and everybody go get it now and treat yourself and then pre-order. All I want is you. (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing too. (laughs) Yay. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us today and celebrating our fabulous Fallon with me. And we will see you next time or talk with you or be with you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K K A E on all social media platforms. And you can find me Fallon Ballard at Fallon Ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.